0: You're listening to episode number 33 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about what to do if you've regained weight. I'm Master at Life and Weight Loss Coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back. We are talking about another juicy topic today, what to do when you've regained weight. So whether you regained last year or over the holidays, or maybe it was over the summer, whenever you are listening to this, it is applicable. And this process and the method that I take clients through is what I'm going to outline for you today in terms of what to do about regaining weight. Because it's very normal. And I'm going to talk about regaining whether it's five or six pounds, whether it's 10, 20, 30 pounds, it's still the same. So this is going to be outside of the average like five pound weight fluctuation that comes with maintaining. When I maintain, I'm in the 120 to 125 range. When I'm out of that range for more than two weeks, that's when I would consider this more of a of a regain. So I want you to note that we don't have to freak out anytime the scale goes up or anytime the scale isn't constantly going down, that we have to have a really healthy relationship to the scale. But when it comes to regaining weight, we can often have and bring a lot of shame with it. And often we fall back when we hit the shame spot. It leads us right back into the restrict binge regret cycle because that regret and that shame just leads us to trying to repeat and just do things harder. Let me restrict again, let me go right back into cutting carbs, cutting sugar, I need to keto harder and run more. And that only leads to the overeating, emotional eating and bingeing that happens later. So eventually, we can't do the diet anymore. We don't want to. We have a special occasion. We just don't have the willpower with a stressful week. We have all kinds of of reasons and justifications as to why we fall off the wagon or why we stop losing weight. Or it could be just that we lost all the weight and now we go back to trying to eat normal, what we call normal, re-enter society and normal eating, and we don't know how to do that because all we know is this all-or-nothing kind of approach to weight loss. And so I want to just point out here that a regain is really just showing us, number one, that your process wasn't realistic or sustainable. So you either were restricting too much or you were cutting too much out. And often it's too much too quickly. Or two, it's showing you where you're emotional eating. Because anytime we are emotionally eating, we are overeating. We are eating when we are not truly physically hungry. And we're reaching for food to solve emotions. So This is a really important piece because it's going to help us to start to see where this is happening because just another set of diet rules isn't going to help with emotional eating. Just another set of diet rules isn't going to keep you from overeating. You can still overeat doing the Whole30 or keto or gluten-free or 75 hard or whatever it is that you think is going to be the solution. You can still be overeating. You can still be emotionally eating. So we want to look at how this is really just pointing us in the direction to show us what issues we haven't yet solved, what areas of our life we still need to work on. And that's the process of weight loss and our food and our relationship to food, as well as other emotions and other things in life, whether it's kids, marriage, spouse, career, hobbies family, friends, relationships, moving, all these other things, we have to look at how do we really manage our emotions and manage expectations around that. Let's talk about regaining weight and how do we then re-enter and go back to getting back on track? What do we do? What are the first steps? Number one, we always want to get off the shame train. We are so used to beating ourselves up and kicking ourselves for regaining weight. We have a lot of shame, a lot of regret, and that comes from thoughts. So these this is, will never help you. Shame is an unproductive emotion. It's something that we are all going to feel at some point in our lives, if not many points, but it is never going to create a positive result in your life. So we just need to be aware of that going in. Shame is a feeling though that's going to come from a thought that there is something fundamentally wrong with you. So guilt is I did a bad thing. Shame is I am a bad person. I am no good. I right like it's more internalized as to who you are. And shame is often accompanied with a lot of shoulds. So, I shouldn't have done that. I should have been eating this. I should have been doing that. I should have said no or I shouldn't like it it's a lot of shoulds. We right we're just shitting on ourselves the whole time. And just because your brain has a thought doesn't always make it true. And this is something that comes up very frequently. And it's, I see it in other people. I can see it in myself of how just because there's a thought doesn't mean that it is a fact. It's just a thought, which means that it's changeable. And so we have to recognize all of the thoughts that are crappy thoughts that are not going to serve us that we can dismiss and we can let go of. And all of the thoughts that just lead you to shame and judgment and beating yourself up and feeling like crap about yourself are not productive. So we need to start to change that. We need to let go of the shame. I think of like shame as being like this shawl we curl up with and like snuggle with. We need to stop doing that. So restarting comes down to how you're going to manage your brain and manage your thinking about it. And not just I'm going to try harder or I'm going to do things better or I'm just going to say no. We have to change the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think about food, the way that we think about our process. There's a lot that, of thinking involved here. But you'll stay stuck if you constantly allow yourself to beat yourself up when things went wrong instead of looking at what you can do in the future. And so one of the biggest things here and and the biggest challenge that I see when it comes to shame is around this topic of self-forgiveness. And I think forgiveness in general can be a tricky topic. I think a lot of times, whether we've been trained or just conditioned, somehow we picked up this notion of conditional forgiveness. So I will forgive this person when they apologize. I will forgive this person when they right the wrong. I will forgive this person once they have earned it in some fashion, right? There is like some aspect of forgiveness is conditional and it is earned. Often when that happens, when we are doing that with other people, we are also doing that for ourselves. So I have to earn my own forgiveness, right? Like I have to, I have to make penance, right? Like I committed a crime. I committed a sin. I did something bad. I need to be forgiven. I need to be punished. Well, it's not even I need to be forgiven. It's I need to be punished and then I can be forgiven. There's often this kind of like procedure that we go through. And so we don't, I, I think we have a really hard time forgiving ourselves and then being able to move forward. And so with weight loss in particular, often what I see are, are two. Typically, different aspects. It's either one, there's a lot of like shame, regret, beating ourselves up, or two, there's a lot of apathy of, oh, I screwed that up. Guess I'll figure it out tomorrow. Or that happened, moving on. And we don't, with both of those, we're not learning from the experience. It might be like, oh, let me try harder tomorrow, but we're not actually understanding and truly learning what's going on and why we keep doing the things we're doing. So, As we bring this back to forgiveness, though, like you get to forgive yourself and you might think that you have to earn it. And and I would really just question, like, why do you have to earn your your forgiveness and what needs to happen in order to forgive yourself? Because a lot of times if we regained weight, it's like I can forgive myself, but only when I lose the weight again. So start to question, what are you making that forgiveness dependent on? Because you get to forgive yourself whenever you're ready, whenever you want. Because in all reality, haven't you punished yourself enough? And so a lack of self-forgiveness often stems from perfectionist thinking, these perfectionist fantasies, which is a belief that you're only enough when you're perfect or when you're very close. And I think it's really like this issue, this kind of topic around perfectionism, I think is really interesting because it's something that I have dealt with and that for a long time, I still called myself a recovering perfectionist. And I am starting to break that habit now too of, nope, that's not who I am anymore like I do not associate with that but for a long time I set the bar really high it was perfection that was required in order to praise myself to love myself to feel validated or valued and then I thought I was lowering the bar and I thought I lowered the bar really low but no I didn't I lowered instead of lowering it like 10 rungs like 10 steps down I lowered it like one so it's okay maybe I don't have to be 100% perfect but I can be 98 Okay, I can be 95%, but it's not going to be any lower than that. And I'm sure there are many people here who can relate. Like, we think we're lowering the bar super low, and we're not. (laughs) And that's okay. We just want to be aware of it. And so it goes back to episode number four and perfectionist fantasies. Oh, I've got little man who was nursing here, and he decided, are you finished? Nope, he's not finished. He decided he wanted to reach for the microphone and grab the microphone, and he does not get to. So anyways, back to perfectionism. So number episode number four, I talk about perfectionist fantasies. And again, this fantasy, it gives us this hit of dopamine because we're thinking about our future selves way off in the future. So 40 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds down, we're thinking about that future idealistic me, and we're maybe imagining a body that we, either have never had or had long ago. And instead of thinking about how we're going to feel next week or next month when maybe we're two pounds down or we're five pounds down, we like to think and, and again, we get this like hit of dopamine thinking about how we're going to think and feel and what we're going to be doing when we're 50, 60 pounds down. And there's nothing wrong with thinking about future you. I think that's an, it's an important thing to be thinking about that long-term vision. But we also want to have clear, like positive emotions also associated with next week you, with next month you, like that vision. And so a lot of times we withhold self-love and praise and validation again as a sense of punishment because of our perfectionism. And again, we all know that problem because we will never be perfect. And it only leads to more shame, more beating ourselves up. And when it comes to perfectionism and self-forgiveness, this is a very common theme. And so, one, I want you to know that you're not alone. And two, I want you to know that there's a better way that you can change this. And this is, it's very common. And this is the type of mindset work that I do with clients. So, when we talk about mindset and the way that we think about things, the way that we think about ourselves, about our bodies, about food, about exercise, um, about the process of losing weight, this is what I'm talking about. It's things like this, things like perfectionism, things like the myth of this, like tomorrow fantasy, tomorrow thinking, things around self forgiveness. This is the type of work that I do with clients because it's not enough just to tell you eat this, not that. We have all been given those diets and they don't work, they don't last. And by work, I mean that you lose the weight and you never gain it back. Never, right? That's the key. You still can have your maintenance range, but very few people can actually maintain it. So that's what I mean by last uh, or or by work is that they last. And that's the key here. This is one of the fundamental missing pieces of any kind of diet program out there is that they're not talking about these deeper issues, the all of the emotions and things that come up. So that is in order to combat the shame, we have to understand where it's coming from, why we have it. So we want to start to pinpoint the thoughts and we have to start to forgive ourselves more. We have to forgive ourselves for regaining weight and look at how it served us. We have to be really honest because I think a lot of times we can demonize and villainize things versus really looking at how food served a purpose in that time. Maybe it was a coping mechanism. Maybe it did help you get through a time. And again, going back to this is now just pinpointing either one, your process was not sustainable, was not realistic and doable. Or two, it's going to show you and point you in the direction of any emotional eating and overeating that you're doing, which then helps because now we can solve for the real problem, right? That is the essential piece. It's always going to be knowing what problem to solve for. So step number two is we want to become the detective. So again, in order to get off the shame train, We still want to look back and analyze. We don't want to be apathetic and just be like, oh, that happened. I'll try again next time. We want to actually get curious and start to look at things, but doing it from a different perspective. So we want to understand why the regain happened. What was going on? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What were the circumstances? What was happening around you? And we get curious. Right, Just as if we were a detective trying to solve a crime, they are not emotionally invested. They're looking for facts. They're looking for data. They're looking for eyewitnesses. They're looking for different viewpoints. They're trying to put all of the puzzle pieces together. But there's no shame. There's no judgment. There's no blame. Like That is the approach that we want to have. And so we, we just start to get curious. What were the circumstances? What was out of your control? What were some of the choices that you made? What were the thoughts and the feelings that led to overeating and emotional eating? Not only do we have thoughts to eat more, but then we have excuses and justifications as to why it's okay. It's Oh, that looks good, or that smells really good, or I ordered this food, I don't want to waste it. And then you might have a thought like, well, it's going to taste better today anyways. It's not going to taste as good tomorrow, so I really should eat it today. Or it might be, it's a really small portion. It's less than I would serve myself at home. I I. It's okay. I can just I can go ahead and eat it. So we just want to be aware of all of the justifications now we have to approve and validate that thought that we had to eat more than what we truly need like than our bodies really need. So again, just getting curious what was going on and then looking at how do we start to take responsibility for it and really just bringing that awareness piece to our thoughts is so helpful because it's we can start to see it and pinpoint it. The more we bring it to our awareness, the more we can spot it. I can now spot and recognize the thought that drove an overeat within 20 minutes of overeating. I can do it so quickly now where I'm like, oh, because I've trained my brain how to do it from a place of curiosity. And because I did it in the past, like I had to do, I did worksheets. I give my clients worksheets to do because that's, it's so valuable to be able to get it out all on paper. Now I can do things like that without needing worksheets. But it was really important as I was learning this new habit and new process that I gave my brain the space and time to think about things. And that I was very intentional with the thoughts that I was choosing and with Coming at it from a place of curiosity and really trying to understand what was going on. And sometimes my overeats were very—they seemed very sim- silly looking back, right? Like one of mine was a Chipotle burrito, and I kept telling myself, "Oh, I, I cut the burrito in half, and or oh, what was it? Oh, Zach, Zach was—I normally cut my burritos in half, and Zach started eating his, and and it ended up being mine, and so then. I started eating it, but then I told myself, "What's well, going to be too messy if I cut it in half. So let me not cut it in half now. I'll just only eat half of it. Then I ended up not eating half of it. I don't think I ate the whole thing, but I definitely didn't just eat half. And I was like way overly full, <laughs> like way too full. And so it's just being aware of, of those little thoughts that seem silly, but it's like in the moment, oh, no, it's going to be too messy. Just keep eating it just now, like just the way that it is. Don't worry about that. That's what we want to be on the lookout for thoughts of, oh, this is less than I would eat at home, so it's okay. Or this is really isn't going to taste as good tomorrow. You might as well eat it now while it's good. It's like the get it now while the getting's good. That's what we want to bring is that awareness to what's going on. We also want to look at, as we're becoming the detective, starting to look for the fear of success or success intolerance, All right, And it sounds very counterintuitive, right? Because All of us are always going to say, of course, I want to lose weight. There is no downside. (laughs) There is only upside. Of course, I want this. I have no fear of success. But the reality is many of us do have a fear of success. We do have a fear of losing weight because it's going to piss off your sister or it's going to antagonize a friend or now you'll be left out of this circle of coworkers who always is sitting around complaining about food or weight loss or their struggles. You're going to feel left out like it's no longer going to be that common struggle. Maybe you've had family members who have already made comments. Maybe you're worried, um, especially as a woman, like maybe you're worried about extra attention or getting hit on by other men. And it's often not just getting hit on by other men, especially if you're like married or in a long-term relationship, it's I'm going to get hit on and I'm going to like it. Or maybe you don't trust yourself fully in your relationship or around other people, right? It, It brings up these deeper issues. Again, it's not just an eat this, not that. It's not just a eat, use a smaller dinner plate. A smaller dinner plate is great, but you can always go back and put more on that plate. We have to get to the root of the issue, which sometimes is going to be that fear of success. And again, it's because your brain is trying to protect you. Another way that this comes out is if somebody gives you a compliment and instead of saying thank you, you deflect it or you discount it. And I have caught myself doing this so much, right? Somebody would be like, oh, I like your sweater. And I'd be like, oh yeah, this old thing. Or I, I play it down or it's, oh, it was like $5 at Target. It's not that great. <laughs> I just noticed there was that habit of instead of saying thank you and feeling proud or good about it, I was always deflecting, always discounting, not being able to just accept and receive that compliment. And we can have that same thing about our bodies too. Or if somebody says, oh, you look really good. Oh, you've lost weight. We need to be able to just say, thank you. Thank you. I've been working really hard. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Or we can just simply say, thank you. We don't have to compliment them back. We don't have to discount it. We can get into the habit of learning how to receive compliments Your brain might freak out when you lose 5 or 10 pounds and want to go back to thinking that weight loss is hard or it takes too much time or the weight never stays off. And so you fear gaining the weight back because your brain is designed to look for the negative because it wants to protect you, right? Your habit brain, again, is always trying to avoid pain. It is trying to protect you. It is a self-protection mechanism. It's always on the alert for anything that might bring on pain. And for anything that's coming, it's always going to be scanning and looking for the negative. That's what it is designed to do. That's its natural job. That's how we have stayed alive for this many years. And so consciously, you want to keep losing weight. But subconsciously, often there's fear around losing weight. And there's also probably fear around gaining the weight back. Of, I hope it stays off. I hope this time it works. I'm really not sure. I'm hesitant to believe because I don't want to get my hopes up because I'm afraid of feeling disappointed if I can't, if the weight goes back on or if I gain a few pounds. And again, when we get curious, we can just go back to, oh, hey, where was I not planning realistically? Where was this not doable? Where was I restricting too much? Where was this not a sustainable process? Where am I emotionally eating? That's exactly what we want to be on the lookout for. And Caleb is now pulling all the, the things out of the drawer. He's pulling all kinds of paperwork. Oh, I thought she, I knew you would find it eventually. <laughs> all right. You go take care of him and I will be back. You will never know. There will be no pause in the recording, but I will be back to record more. Okay. So step three now becomes we have to cultivate belief in ourselves. So often we think that belief come and self-confidence come from two things, but this is a mistake. We often think it comes from our past results and it often comes from knowing the how or the action. So we like to attribute feelings to what comes after in the model. So if we think about it, our thoughts create the feelings, then the feelings drive the action and the action creates the result. We often think that the action and then the result is what's going to create that feeling. But often in order to create the result that we want, we have to choose to consciously think things on purpose that are going to allow us to create the belief and self-confidence in ourselves. And so just knowing the how of what to do, what to eat, we often think of that as making us feel secure and safe in the process. It makes us feel safe in believing in ourselves if I know exactly what to do. That is a false sense of security though, because just knowing what to do doesn't mean you're actually going to do it. And it doesn't always mean that the results are going to come in the timeline that you think it should. And so the problem is that you're putting your faith in the plan. You're putting your faith in the how-to, rather than in, in yourself. And so when you have a week or a month when you don't lose the weight, maybe you regain a couple of pounds, right? That doubt just creeps back in. And often it leads right back into this cycle. We quit on ourselves. We then start to overeat just to feel the shame and regret later. And we fall right back into that restrict binge regret cycle. And so I teach you the how in a very simple process where no food is ever off limits and you learn how to lose weight in a way where you love it and you can enjoy it and it feels good and doable, easy, fun, effortless. Right? It feels. It sounds very magical in a, or it sounds mythical in a sense because that's not how we're often used to talking about weight loss or thinking about it or that may not be your past experience. And so what happens here, though, is we've just put our self-confidence in the wrong thing. And then when we don't lose the weight and we fall back into that doubt or we regain some weight, that's when we fall back into that same cycle of our weight keeps going up where we just maintain, even though we feel like we're constantly dieting, constantly doing all the things. And our self-confidence and self-belief and self-trust just plummet and fall through the floor because we never talk about this. We never get to the root of what's really going on. We never talk about our relationship to food or to our body or our thoughts about these things, about our feelings, our emotional awareness, and our ability to handle these different things. So we've got to look at how do we start to create this belief and confidence in ourselves outside of results and outside of just knowing the how-to. So in terms of looking to past evidence, the problem here is that a lot of you are not going to have evidence for losing weight and keeping it off. Otherwise, you likely wouldn't be listening to this. And so being able to lose weight, a lot of us have had experiences where we've either struggled to lose the weight or we've lost the weight, but then not been able to maintain it and keep it off. Or maybe we didn't even know exactly how we were doing or what we were doing, or we just decided, this sucks. I've lost the weight. Now I get to go back to life as normal. And so we believe in order to create the result rather than using this past evidence. so this this is just a thought error. That's all we just that's all we have to recognize is relying on past evidence to show where we can go as like a fortune teller to dictate what's possible for us in the future. It's just a thought error. This just simply that something that our brain has thought, and we, learned and picked up over time, but it's just not true. So we just have to go in and start to recorrect it. But again, like believing before you have a result is always going to be the hardest part. Like last week when I talked about choose your hard, you can choose what's hard. You can make the, the diet be restrictive and hard. You can make the exercise be punishment and hard. You can also make the, the good work of believing before you have the results, which will also feel hard. And you get to choose which hard you're willing to take on because it's just not what we're used to. And again, your habit brain is just going to try and keep you safe. It's trying to save you from any potential emotional pain. So remember all those beatdowns? for not hitting your goals, for regaining the weight. Your brain wants to avoid that. So it's going to look for excuses so that you don't get your hopes up. It's trying to protect you. It wants to protect you. It wants to avoid the pain. It wants to seek out pleasure. Because this is how our brains operate, we just have to be aware that anytime we think about doing something new or doing something different, about getting back on track, about doing a, trying to lose weight again, doing something different, Your brain is going to want to throw up a lot of excuses and justifications as to why it's not possible. It's going to want to give you all the evidence as to how this isn't realistic. You don't want to get your hopes up. It might be possible for some people, but it's not possible for you. You just need to accept the fact that you're never going to be able to lose weight. Right. That's what your brain is going to want to tell you. And it's not just going to want to. That's what it's just going to naturally spit out. (laughs) And so we want to start to look at what feels believable today, because we have to recognize that our thoughts are our choice. So I get to choose what I think and feel, which means I get to be in control of that. And so mon- we often like to adopt mantras and what other people think, what other people believe. If, if you've ever heard some people, you know, talk about this and it's, oh, just believe these things. Just tell yourself these things. And so we often look to these mantras and these these other like other people's words, basically, to make us feel better. But the problem here is that these, like, other people's sentences, other people's phrases, words, mantras, they don't always address your specific doubts, fears, and worry. They might look good, right? It might be like a pair of jeans at the store where they look super cute. They look nice. But once you try them on, it just doesn't quite do the job. It doesn't quite fit. And so if your brain, just as an example, if your brain keeps telling you something like you've never lost the weight and been able to keep it off before, what makes you think you can do it now? Don't get your hopes up. This isn't realistic. You should just be happy with where you're at right now. You should just resign that you can't lose weight and eat carbs. It might be telling you some things like that. But if you keep telling yourself, I'm a sexy badass. Number one, it likely doesn't feel true. It doesn't feel believable, especially if you've gained more than a few pounds. If, if you've gained that like 10, 20, 40, 50 pounds, telling yourself like, I'm a sexy badass. Or like something like, I can do hard things. Or you know, we have these memes that we like. everything I want is on the other side of fear. Yeah, that's true. And it might be true that I can do hard things, but it doesn't address the disbelief that you're never going to be able to keep the weight off again, that maybe that you actually can't lose weight and eat carbs. It doesn't address the real fear, the real doubt, the real issue here. Yeah, yeah, whatever, but you still can't keep your weight off. Sure, maybe you can do hard things, but back to this weight over here. And again, your brain is going to want to go back to knowing the how which often looks like restricting because that's where it feels safe and comfortable. That's where we create that false sense of security. So it's always gonna be looking for the how. Well, tell me how, tell me exactly what this looks like. Tell me exactly what I can and can't eat. That's where we find our safety and security. And so we wanna be aware that as we are choosing and when we're working on our belief, we're working on our confidence, that we are, are identifying intentional thoughts That we're choosing thoughts on purpose that we want to believe about ourselves, but that we're also making it feel true and believable for us in the moment. You may not be at a point where you can believe you're a sexy badass. You may be at the point where you can think that and halfway believe it, but it also doesn't address the real doubt that's holding you back. The real hesitation. Because, again, your habit brain is just an asshole. right? Like this inner critic of ours, she's a cold, heartless bitch. She's not a nice person. And you have spent decades with this inner monologue that has been left unchecked for a very long time. It's not going to go away over overnight. It's not even going to just magically disappear in a year. We will always have these natural, instinctual, negative thoughts because that is how your brain is wired. That is what it is designed to do. And so we just have to be aware that's naturally like that, that is going to be my brain's first thought. My brain's first thought in the morning when I look at myself in the mirror is going to be like, "Oh, girl, like you got a zit right there. Ooh, your face is patchy. And what is going on? Ooh, your thighs are a little like jiggly or wrinkly. Or right, like it's gonna have a lot of criticism because it's naturally designed to look for what's wrong with things, to look for what's wrong with me. And when I have years and years of a past just history of that being the habit and never checking it, never correcting it. It's it's only natural that's going to continue to go up or to continue to go on. But you get to be in control of this. And all we want to do is simply redirect our thoughts. We can allow those negative thoughts to come in, but we can choose intentional thoughts that we want to think instead. And we can choose things that feel believable. It may not feel believable right now for me to think something like, I'm a leader in the diet industry. I would like to. I'm working on becoming that. I have aspirations of that. But do I fully believe that I am like leading and change, like truly leading the diet industry at this moment? No, (laughs) no, I do not. Not with my my small sphere of influence right now. That's something I'm working on believing and I'm working on stepping into. But right now, what I do believe is that I'm changing women's lives and that I'm not always gonna see it. I'm probably rarely going to see it or hear about it, but I know a thousand percent that I am changing lives with this podcast, with the work I do with clients, within my Facebook group, in talking with friends and family. I believe so deeply and so strongly that is true. And so when I'm looking at what's my intentional thought, anytime I feel doubt or discouraged or have these hesitations come up, I know that I go back to this thought of I'm changing women's lives. And I know that is true. And I have evidence to show it. My brain has now looked for and seen the evidence. And I'm continuing to look for it and I'm continuing to build on that. Same thing is true about our weight loss process, about our bodies changing how we think about food. We can have these negative thoughts come in and we just redirect our brain. So every time your brain wants to tell you, yeah, but can you really keep the weight off? Or I really don't think, you really think you can eat carbs and still lose weight? I don't think you can. We redirect it to something that is very applicable to things like I'm learning how to do this. Or we remind ourselves, carbs aren't the problem. My overeating was the problem. My emotional eating was the problem. It wasn't the carbs that added extra weight. It was the fact that I kept reaching for food when I wasn't truly physically hungry. I kept trying to solve my emotions with food. That's what we remind ourselves. No, nope, it's not about the carbs. And yes, I've got this. I've got a new process. I've got a system. I've got a mentor, a coach, a community, right? You remind yourself of why this time is different, not just I'm going to try harder. Because we know that just trying harder is not working. It doesn't work. And by work, we lose the weight and keep it off forever, long term. You are in control of your thoughts. And my challenge to you today is to create a list of all the intentional thoughts you want to believe about yourself. So it could be that you have some future goals, some future things, some things where you're like, you know what? I can't quite believe in this right now about me, but I I want to believe, I want to look in the mirror and think loving, lush thoughts. We can't wait to lose the the weight first in order to think that. Otherwise, We're never gonna end up thinking that. We have to train our brain to start looking for that and to start doing that now. So what can you believe today? What can you work on believing today? And we train our brains just like we would potty train a dog, just like we would potty train a child, with loving correction and with praise, especially praise for the attempt and praise for the action, not just praise for the results, but praise for the attempts. Remember the example last week that I gave of a child sitting on the potty. And let's say they don't do anything, but they just sit on the potty and you're potty training them. and You're like, "Yay, you sat on the potty. That's so great. Or they think that they need to go pee and they don't. That's OK. We still praise the attempt. We praise the fact that they told us that they they think they needed to go potty and we praise them going pee pee on the potty like we get so excited. And that praise, that encouragement helps to wire their brain to show them this is a good thing. I want to keep doing this. We do the same thing with our brains. And every time that the child wants to go pee-pee in their pants, we take them over to the potty. We might be like, it's a good thing you're cute because I got a lot of pee to clean up now. <laughs> We're not beating them up. We're not telling them how much they suck or how horrible they are or who did they think they are. Why haven't they figured this out by now? It has been several weeks. It has been several months. Why have you not figured this out? Like, we don't talk to our kids like that. We wouldn't talk to a puppy like that. We are training them. And so there's that loving correction, but we are redirecting them just like we have to redirect our brains. And then we're praising and we're encouraging the behavior that we want more of. So again, we retrain our brain and we also work on praising ourselves more, praising ourselves for the little things, praising ourselves for the attempt, praising ourselves for catching the negative thoughts. Oh, I see this has been flying under the radar for a bit or I notice that I feel this way and it's because of this thought that maybe I didn't notice for the last week. Now we can get back to solving the right problem, solving for what's really important. We want to choose our intentional thoughts and be very clear on that. And so I love just creating a list of here are all the intentional thoughts. I started writing this out actually back in 2020. I started a list of my intentional thoughts and powerful questions I'm asking myself. Well, I had all these things listed of intentional things that I'm thinking about me right now, thoughts I'm working on believing about me. And I now have things written in the margin, like I'm writing along the side, up on the top, in different colors, in between lines. I now have come up with so many different things to think about, to journal about, to write about, to put my time and attention and focus and energy. And it has been so helpful to go back because anytime I feel out of source, anytime I'm feeling a little doubt, discouraged unsure. Anytime the scale goes up a little bit, I, I go back here and I remind myself what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, why it's possible. So have that list and keep it just as a running list that you can keep adding to. There are going to be some things I actually need to go back and look at this and see like, all right, what am I going to continue to work on? What do I now believe? What are some new things that I want to add here that maybe seem more relevant or applicable or where do I want to change things? So we can work on our mindset with the belief and then in order to create more belief and confidence in ourselves, we also want to be taking action, which starts with small, doable, simple steps and creating that consistency. And we praise ourselves for those small, simple steps. We praise ourselves for the consistency. And that helps to create that powerful loop inside of the reward system. We get the hit of dopamine. Of, yes, this is a good thing. I want to keep doing this. And so we're going to move forward and we're going to create new results. We're going to get out of that river of misery. It starts with these simple things, right? So I want you to focus on one thing. If you regained weight last year, over the holidays, if you feel like you just need to get back on track, We want to focus on one thing this week. One, what's the biggest area of opportunity? What's one thing that you feel like, you know what, this would move the needle forward and this would make me feel really good. So for some people, you might be thinking, hey, I really want to start moving my body more. Or others, it might be like, "Ah, you know, I really I'm not drinking enough water especially in the winter. This is very common that we don't drink as much water. And so I often will remind clients too that unsweetened tea, any kind of tea will count, but just nothing with sugar or sweetener or cream. Coffee without any sweetener or cream or or things like that, in addition to water, will also count towards your water goal for the day. So I know sometimes it can be harder to drink water, especially cold water, When it's cold outside, we often don't want that. But you can get your water in with hot beverages as well. Okay, so just as like an aside, bonus pro tip. But maybe for you, it's I think I've been overeating a little bit or I noticed I've been emotionally eating. This week, I really want to focus on only eating when I'm truly hungry. And maybe that's it. We just want to focus on our hunger. And am I really waiting for hunger? Am I listening to it? It it might be that you want to focus on satiety and like stopping at satisfied and We want to work on that piece for this week. We just pick one thing to focus on. It's the whole less but better approach of let's narrow in on what we're trying to do and what we're trying to work on. And let's also get to work on now creating the life that we want so that we're not all consumed and obsessed with the scale and our weight and the number, but we're looking at how do I create the life that I want? How do I enjoy this time? How can I have more fun? That's what we want to be focused on is we want to take our eyes off of the scale and put it onto our life and look at how do I create more fun, enjoyment, pleasure in life so that I'm not reaching for it at the bottom of a bag of Oreos. Which leads into step number four, which is realistic planning. So we can pick one thing that we want to focus on, and then we want to also look at what can you do for the rest of your life without hating your life when it comes to these lifestyle changes. So looking at food, looking at movement, we want to look at what can I do consistently? For the rest of my life without hating my life. That last piece is critical. It's not going to be sustainable if you hate your life. And so again, if you regained weight, one of the root issues may have been that maybe it just wasn't realistic. Maybe you were eating things that you thought you should have been eating in order to lose weight. Maybe you were saying no to food because you shouldn't be eating that and you really would like to. You really want to be eating that. There's a difference when we are saying no to food because I don't like the way I'm going to feel the next day. I don't like how maybe this hurts your stomach or you have a bad rash or there's food sensitivities. There's these different issues. There's a difference between I can't have it and I'm choosing not to have it. And so really looking and seeing, okay, where am I going to choose to say no to things? And where am I going to choose to say yes? What are the foods that I do want to be eating? And then looking at all the times when we want to keep eating because it tastes so good or because we're enjoying our company or because we're having a great time, we can continue to eat and emotionally eat and overeat for positive reasons, not just negative ones, for positive emotions. So we just want to get back to basics again. And we want to make things very realistic. You meet yourself right where you're at now. Don't think about what you were doing in the heyday of, oh, I was so good and I wasn't eating any sugar and I wasn't eating any this or that. And no, no, okay. But let's start with right now. So if you've just come off a couple weeks of drinking every day, eating cookies every day, like bread every day, like none of those things are bad. And if you want to incorporate and keep those in your life, that's fine, you can. But we just wanna look at what feels good for you and your body. Where do we start to cut back? Maybe instead of drinking three glasses a night, we drink one. Maybe instead of drinking every night, we decide, you know what? I think maybe I'm gonna try every other night this week. Or maybe you're like, ah, you know what? I'm actually okay not drinking this week, and I'll see how I feel next week. And then we use that as an opportunity to start to see what's coming up for us. Why do I want to drink at the end of the night when I told myself no or when I didn't plan any? So again, it has to be realistic for where you're at right now, not where you were last year, five years ago. In some kind of heyday, peak performance, what's realistic for you right now? You might have gotten into the habit of exercising and walking five miles a day or running five miles a day. And now it's been a month or two and you haven't really moved much at all. Hey, start with half a mile. Start with one mile, right? Like, again, we meet ourselves right where we're at. And step number five is to get support. So most of the time we think, well, I should be able to figure this out on my own or I know, I get it, just eat less and exercise more, I'm doing the things. And so there's three ways to know when it's time to get support, especially right now if you feel like you have regained weight. So number one, if every year you have lose weight on your New Year's to-do lists in some form or fashion, that's a sign that it's time to get some help and get some support because you have a habit of regaining weight And when you are ready to lose it once and for all, we often need a different process. We just don't have a process that works and is long-term and sustainable. We try, we think that, oh, I can lose weight eating keto and eating practically no carbs and that somehow I can now go back to eating carbs again without having ruined my relationship with carbs, without feeling the all or nothing and having this healthy relationship with it. I can just go back to how I ate before. And that's not, real, that's not realistic. The way that we lose the weight is the way that we're going to keep it off. And most people aren't telling you that part either. They have these reentry plans or maintenance plans. And so we wanna look at how do we create a different process that works for your life? And so if year after year, you find yourself trying to lose weight, wanting to lose weight, having this on your to-do list, whether it's at the beginning of the year or the end of the year, Then it's time to get some help and get some support to do this long term once and for all. So that's number one. Number two, if you feel stuck, like what you used to do, it doesn't seem to be working anymore, or maybe you'd feel like you just don't have quite the willpower in order to do it, or you try, but it doesn't actually work out that way. Like for a long time, I tried to do low carb all day long, but I wasn't actually doing low carb because then I would still eat my low carb protein bars, or I would still be eating popcorn or crackers or chips or things at the end of the night. Uh, I probably ate enough carbs. Like I ate all my carbs just later at night and in more junk food types of ways or with more sweets than if I just have a baked potato with my lunch or something like that or some pasta or some rice. And number three, if you're struggling to understand and identify why you're overeating, why you're emotionally eating, and you don't have a clear, simple solution for breaking that habit. So if you've noticed, oh, I often find myself overeating at the end of the week or overeating on the weekends or find I'm emotionally eating. Every time I get stressed or worried or anxious, I notice I'm, I tend to eat more or I notice I'm procrastinating, snacking and it's midday, mid-afternoon and I have things to do. I have things I should be doing, but I find myself snacking as a way of avoiding tasks or avoiding things or I'm just not sure where to start. So if that is what you are struggling with, then please come and talk to me. Get support. Get some help because we often don't know how to solve these problems because we haven't been trained in how to do them. We, we don't know. All we have been taught with the diet industry is eat less and exercise more. And that's not how we solve emotional eating. That's not how we solve weight problems to begin with. So if you would like some help with losing weight and being able to keep it off like for good, if you would like some help around your emotional eating and overeating, then I would love to chat. You can book a free consult at bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. You'll find the time that works best for you. And together we'll spend an hour really digging into understanding where has it, where do you feel like you've gone wrong? What have you been doing to lose weight? Why do you feel like it's not working? What's not working about it? And I'll help you work through and create a plan and a roadmap to lose the weight to end your emotional eating, to end these overeating habits, because it is much easier than we think. We just don't have the process in place to do it. We have, we just don't know, like we just haven't been trained in this. And so this is the number one thing that I work with clients is how do we incorporate and weave all of these mindset pieces into our weight loss plan and into our process? Like I said before, you get to choose your heart. You get to choose the work that you're going to do. And for so many of us, the best work that we can do is on our relationship with ourselves. It's on how we think about ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, how we allow other people to talk to us, the boundaries that we want to set in life, being able to ask for help, struggling with perfectionism or the fear of not being good enough, fear of gaining your weight back. These are all very common. This is where we want to spend our time is really for solving the right problems that are going to move the needle forward. All right. Here's to creating the body and life you crave, especially in 2022. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop